Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the latest Shiny Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector. Uh, with me, as usual, is Rob Hirschfeld. Good evening, Rob. Stephen, hello. It's dark outside. I don't know what to do in podcasting in the dark. This oh, is wait, very... wait. I'm opening my eyes. You're dark. opening your eyes. Okay. Well, no, it is, it is nighttime for our, our listeners, and I tell you, this is really exciting. One of our goals is to you know, go global and get some international uh, influencers. And I'm really excited about our guest today. I'm going to go with his name shortened, so I, I, I do it justice. Uh, Johnny uh, MSV, he's an analyst advisor and an architect at Johnny Karam. I think I got it, and Associates. Um, he is well-known. He speaks all over the world, uh, edge, cloud, um, I mean, just a variety of technologies, and it's a, it's a real pleasure to have him on the podcast. Johnny, uh, welcome, and can you kind of give us a quick overview? Your, your history is extensive, and I'm impressed, but maybe we can condense it down to give our listeners a little feeling of your experience. Uh, sure, Stephen. Uh, incredibly excited to be a part of this podcast. Uh, I know Rob for a long time, so I'm, I'm excited to join him. So, uh, yes, you got my name right. Uh, my name is Janaki Ram, based out of Hyderabad, India. Have about 20 years of experience, predominantly spent at Microsoft, followed by AWS. And for the last seven years, I've been an independent analyst and advisor. Uh, I've been focused primarily on the business impact of cloud. And the most recent focus area for me has been the convergence of machine learning, edge, and serverless computing. So I work with startups, uh, platform companies, primarily in these uh, segments. I work as their advisor slash product manager. Also, you're a contributor in the new stack, which, I, which has been around for quite a while, doing sort of the very front edge, the latest shiny, I would say, of, of application development design. Um, Absolutely. I, I write quite regularly at the new stack. Uh, I have a column that goes out on every Friday. I'm also uh, a contributor to Forbes technology section. So I, I, would, I would love as, as we go, if there's an article or something that you think is, is worth mentioning, it's always nice for us to assign homework to uh, listeners. Uh, we're, I, I feel sort of merciless about that because it lets us get to the, the whys, right? And so I'm looking forward to sort of diving in. In the, in the pre-call, you'd, you'd actually been talking about doing uh, some research and we definitely want to get to research on the edge, but to set this up, right, we, we want to dive into edge. We want to, we're going to talk about cloud in a little bit. Can you sort of give us your take on the edge industry and, and, and what's going on? Absolutely, Rob. I've been tracking this space for a while. <clears throat> so, you know, for a lot of uh, consumers, users, and developers, edge is typically associated with content delivery network. Uh, I think most of the users would get uh, an encounter with Edge when they sign up for Akamai or CloudFriend. And, and that, is, that is what is Edge for a lot of people. But interestingly, that analogy is now extended. Uh, the original Edge was all about static content. Then it got matured to become more dynamic, more uh, stream-oriented Edge. And now uh, compute is also coming to Edge. So which means it's not just the static data, but we can actually run uh, some kind of uh, programmability at the edge. And Amazon pioneered that by bringing Lambda at edge, uh, where you could actually write tiny code snippets to kind of uh, massage the data that is flowing in through your point of presence edge location. So 
currently the state of edge is uh, experimenting with compute uh, at the edge uh, similar to what content has been uh, going through you know bring the ability to program to the edge so that it kind of mimics the cloud but delivers a much lower latency when it comes to content and even compute so i want to i want to break that into two pieces because i i think that you you've talked about programming models which we definitely love to talk about um and we we have some guests uh like Kelly with mutable who uh, have talked about sort of edge programming um and then infrastructure side is and and having that infrastructure piece are sort of two different problem spaces but can we start on the 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 application side so you had mentioned amazon lambda is on the edge is is that what you think edge application development's going to look like a whole bunch of event based programming uh let me step back a little so currently sure. you know when you uh when you step back zoom out a little and look at edge from the big picture perspective uh, there are there are three flavors of edge the first one is of course content driven which all of us are very familiar with the second flavor of edge is highly coupled with iot uh, for a lot of developers businesses again edge is becoming synonymous with industrial iot and that has been the biggest driver so let's call that as the device edge because it's it's highly coupled and and aligned with the iot devices the third flavor of edge is uh, evolving we don't see it at but that's in the making which is the infrastructure edge and and that is going to be slightly forward looking slightly futuristic so uh, i'm not going to talk a lot about the content edge that's obvious we have been experiencing it using it programming it so so let's keep that aside but when it comes to device edge uh the the use case that has been primarily driving the device edge is uh the 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 cost of bandwidth you know with so many sensors generating the data obviously we don't want to dump everything in the public cloud bandwidth is still expensive so uh the the whole motivation is can we put something in between the public cloud and iot devices so that we can massage the data transform the data and only send what makes sense it all started from there and then iot vendors came out with this concept of an iot gateway which kind of became a broker or an intermediary between the devices layer and the public cloud layer it all started from there but but when i when i hear iot gateway i typically think of you know site captive systems right most of the iot gateways that, that i've heard of are basically really it infrastructures that are talking to iot inside of a factory or a warehouse or some type of of captive environment um where where you have 100% control is that is that how you're looking at it it's it's basically just a you know an aggregation point it, it all started with aggregation stuff. yeah but okay. what you said is right uh, so for me iot gateway has two faces the internal facing side of an iot gateway is all about ot operational technology for example the can bus the mod bus the uh, proprietary protocols you know two decade old uh, proprietary native technology that is ingesting some sensor data so one side of the iot gateway speaks what is very native what is very proprietary what is very legacy the other side of the iot gateway uh, talks the language of the public cloud which is more of rest mqtt and some of the higher level protocols so initially iot gateway started off with this premise of 
can we translate the data that is flowing between these legacy devices to the public cloud, number one? Can we compress them and reduce the bandwidth so that we can avoid dumping a lot of data on the public cloud? So it all started from there. So in, in, in a way, what you said sure. is right. But, but at the same time, and this I guess is where you would, you would pull in green grass, part of what you're trying to do is make decisions based on aggregate data. So it's not just about not sending data forward to the cloud, it's being able to take data you're collecting and then make a local decision, right? I mean, an IoT gateway realistically should have you know, a pretty potent uh, platform so that you can, you can actually connect things together and then make decisions without having to backhaul to the cloud. That's, that, that's the only way IoT latency is really gonna be reduced, right? Absolutely. So IoT Gateway is more like a precursor to edge. So initially IoT Gateway uh, came from the, the usual suspects who sold the networking gear, uh, like the Cisco's, the NetApps, and sorry, the Junipers, not NetApp, Junipers of the world, um, who actually figured that uh, their perimeter uh, network edge devices can develop as IoT Gateway. So it all started from there, but that was more like a first generation uh, precursor to what eventually became edge. So you're absolutely right. If we are only transforming data and uh, converting protocol from one format to another, then it, it's not edge. It is just a broker, it is just a gateway. But eventually what happened is uh, with this dedicated device that is, that is deployed uh, within industrial environments, and it is actually a full-blown x86 computer, you know, running a hypervisor, running some storage, and it is, it is actually like a like a full-blown x86 box. So the idea was, why can't we double down on this so-called gateway device and bring programmability, bring a bit of storage, and also an overlay network uh, that will comply with the, the IP policies and the uh, micro-segmentation and align with the overall networking topology, uh, cutting across the public cloud, maybe a virtual private cloud, and the internal network. So when IoT Gateway uh, acquired these stripes of a micro cloud by exposing um, compute storage and network, it actually graduated to edge. So that's interesting because so you're defining edge as a mini cloud from that perspective, right? You're saying an IT infrastructure at the edge has to have all of the attributes of a cloud infrastructure. Is that sort of the, you're thinking from that perspective? Yeah, absolutely. That's where edge is moving. And, and we are still talking about device edge. So currently, now let me, let me pick up uh, two different product offerings, right? So let's start with Greengrass. So Greengrass is a device edge uh, from Amazon. And if you dissect uh, Greengrass, you actually uh, see three different components, right? The first component is it's an S3 compatible endpoint. It has an S3 compatible endpoint, which means there is object storage exposed uh, within your environment. So if your program, uh, if your storage consumer is already talking to S3, it is easy for you to talk to a local endpoint. So, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is storage. Uh, because these edge devices are not very powerful, of course, they can range from a full-blown HP ProLiant uh, uh, server to a Raspberry Pi or even a Raspberry Pi Zero. Uh, so compute has to be packaged in a very constrained form. So obviously you cannot run VMs, you cannot run containers. So the, the best option to expose compute is um, through serverless, not through functions, because it, it gets you programmability in a very 
very tiny footprint, uh, lightweight mechanism. So compute is exposed via the uh, uh, the the serverless uh, layer. And the third one is uh, stream analytics or some mechanism to process the data. So networking is still not very mature on the edge, but it is getting there. But there is some kind of a real-time uh, stream analytics in, in, in the form of a uh, you know, complex event processing engine and so on. Amazon is to actually expose a Kinesis equivalent endpoint, but uh, it is not very difficult to uh, process the data as it comes. So uh, that is green grass for you. you know, in, in a lot of ways, it is Lambda plus S3 plus uh, some bit of storage uh, supporting right. that. But isn't isn't I mean green grass is really an appliance that that they're selling. It's it's not a like a software platform that I could run on my premises as, with my own gear, um, or even scale to you know a huge amount of capacity, right? As, as far as I've seen, uh, green grass is is delivered in a you know sort of a captive form factor. Or are they coming out with new options? Uh, not exactly, Rob. So green grass is basically a software layer. It is. It is available on x86 and ARM environment, so it is nothing but a runtime. Uh, you can actually take any uh, Ubuntu, Debian, <clears throat> CentOS uh, distribution running on an, an ARM processor or an x86 processor and configure that as your Greengrass device. Uh, and after that, it establishes its, its connectivity with uh, AWS IoT core, and then it, it, it starts negotiating the credentials and stuff. So, uh, okay. the, the one that you're talking about is actually uh, their Snowball Edge. That is a captive black box appliance that can be just, uh, you know, it's a plug and play appliance. You just need to connect to the power and ethernet and it, it becomes your uh, edge device. But in, in both cases, what you're describing here, though, sounds very like a captive uh, cloud extension, not, not, so much a standalone IT infrastructure, right? So it's, and this is part, I guess part of the, the, the question that I'm, I'm driving towards is, is, you know, Edge going to be a standalone, you, you know, we described it earlier as a mini cloud where you, you're building a whole set of infrastructure and then, and then it creates, you know, cloud-like behaviors, or is it going to be, you know, a service that is just a cloud extension that, that gives you some aggregation point or an appliance that you plug in. You know, where, where's this evolving to? Right. So in, in the context of IoT and, and in the context of device edge, it is, it is still a logical extension of the public cloud. Edge doesn't exist in isolation. It is not independent of the cloud. Uh, in majority of the deployments, Edge is tightly coupled with a public cloud endpoint. Uh, so currently the market can be split into two categories. One is the public cloud vendors shipping their own edge software, uh, which is highly uh, uh, coupled with their own public cloud offering, obviously. Then there are cloud agnostic edge computing layers. Uh, for example, uh, there is a company in Mountain View called Foghorn and they do cloud agnostic edge and they can talk to any public cloud. But the value of edge uh, becomes visible only when it is interfacing with the public cloud. Uh, as a standalone device, as an island, edge diminishes the overall value because it only becomes powerful uh, when it is interfacing with the public cloud. 
So I want to I want to pause on that one and, and drill in a little bit because that's a very specific and and uh, you know sort of powerful opinion in this, in that edge and cloud are are coupled as a as a deployment. So what you're saying is you're not going to do work that is edge only. It's it's going to have some big back store cloud elastic. We've talked to people like for model processing where you you analyze data in the cloud and where you can crunch a whole bunch of numbers, build a model, and then send the model back to the edge or the device. Um, can you can you fill out sort of why you think that that is the the model of you know this tightly integrated cloud edge uh, design? Absolutely. So uh, yeah, one of the use cases that you touched upon are uh, you know that that is a very important use case. But before I get there, let me let me talk about the challenges of managing edge deployment. So so in real world scenarios, edge devices run in very remote, isolated, inaccessible locations. For example, a coal mine might be running an edge edge device. A wind turbine uh, might be running an edge uh, gateway or an edge device. Uh, a power grid. You know, running uh, very far off in an isolated location might be running an edge device. Now, the problem with these deployments is there is no human intervention. It is very expensive for someone to go physically uh, fix the problems or upgrade or perform typical operations on these edge devices. So they all need to be orchestrated remotely. They all need to be managed, maintained, upgraded remotely. So it makes sense for all these edge devices to connect to a control plane, uh, which, is, which is giving you remote control access to all the deployed devices. So from a maintainability point of view, uh, connecting all the edge devices to a, a, a control plane, which is basically acting as the front end, the management interface makes a lot of sense. And it is easy for you to onboard new edge devices because you, you power on, it actually advertises itself and uh, based on uh, pre-wired configuration, it registers itself with the public cloud and then it shows up. And after that, you push any kind of software that you want uh, to manage it remotely. So it makes a lot of sense uh, with this remote infrastructure, connectivity and management of edge, number one. Number two, uh, remember, edge is not a static device. Uh, you got to push latest version of software and maybe you want to integrate that with your CI CD pipeline and, and uh, treat the software running on edge as yet another deployment target. So when you really want to do that, <clears throat> you need to have a continuum between public cloud uh, and the edge because software gets uh, built, you know, the release management happens using your standard DevOps pipelines, but a tiny part of that is identified and tagged as the edge module, and it has to find its way to a bunch of edge devices or to select edge devices. So, right. And, that, and this, this to me is, is, is a really important point because what, what you're describing is, is cloud programming models. So you're, and I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of this point of view that you're saying what we do in the cloud is what we're going to do in the edge. There is no two programming models. Um, and yet the, the last thing you were saying is that then that things have to get pushed to the edge. There's no, do you think there's going to be like a edge console that people like manage? Oh, this is my, you know, Austin, you know, block six edge data center. And I'm, I'm going to manage that one separately from the other ones. How, how big is the management problem? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You, you brought up a very interesting challenge. So 
there is a there is a there is an analogy that can be drawn between the container side of things and the devices side of things so currently you know when you have a massive container deployment managed through dcos or kubernetes you can do a a rolling upgrade you can do canaries you can do blue green uh, the the good thing about edge is most of these best practices can be brought to deploying and managing software even on the edge for example uh, a large facilities management company that is maintaining smart buildings across us right so they have tens of thousands of buildings and every building has uh, a few hundreds of floors and every floor has an edge device and now they want to do a rolling upgrade uh, with no downtime so they are going to basically tag every edge device with some identifiable uh, metadata and when you want to do an upgrade all you will say is you know pick up all the edge devices that match this criteria and then roll out this new module so that's how edge is going to be managed and in a lot of ways wow. um edge is every edge device is like a kubernetes pod because it's going to run a bunch of containers and all these pods are a, are a part of a node you know which is like a smart building which is representing an aggregated collection of multiple these devices and this entire smart building which is like a node reports back to a control plane which is the cloud so all right you, i know you've been you know we've been talking about amazon a lot because they're the biggest but you've been researching google microsoft amazon other players um i like to throw an ibm just because i like the ibm teams and <laughs> the, the uh so no but but i want to be serious about this cloud management problems what what these hyperscale cloud providers have built is very different than what you just described are are they the ones who are going to provide this or is it going to be telecoms or some you know fantastic startup based in Austin Texas or somebody else who needs to solve this problem where where's where's the the expertise coming from right so the software layer and the backhaul connectivity to the public cloud is still going to be owned and managed by the public cloud vendors uh but obviously you know they are not in the best position to to roll this out and uh, to to really deploy these devices so obviously telcos have a huge play and uh, you 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 mentioned an austin texas company i'm getting there i'll talk about that uh, in the next flavor of edge which is the infrastructure edge but since we are talking about device edge uh, so so this is going to be handled by two individual parties right the first party is obviously uh the public cloud vendor the second party is more like a real estate company or a domain specific company for example uh edge devices are going to be embedded in large trucks or maybe ships and vessels so so obviously public cloud vendors have no domain expertise and no experience of dealing with these deployment patterns and use cases so uh, transport companies telcos real estate companies even financial companies all of them the sis in these domains are going to partner with the cloud vendors to basically run them uh, as a, a maintenance project or a partnership so that is the second party the third party is obviously the customer or uh, depending on how you look at it but basically there are not three individual entities uh, managing the whole show yeah in that in this case and i i tend to think there there are whole control planes that haven't even been invented yet for managing this problem because right it's 
you, you have to, it's not just can I distribute my application to every edge, data, every edge data center in the world. You actually need to say, I need to run my application when there is a device or a user that has to connect to my application with low latency. You, you, the last thing I would want is to spin up an application and have, you know, AT&T replicated to every point of presence they have, uh, you know, in the nation for the one user sitting in their desk in, in Detroit um, or on their phone in Detroit. It, it's, that doesn't make sense. So I, where is it, do you see things coming that, that help address this problem or application paradigms that address this problem? Yes, yes. So the way I, I visualize the new programming paradigm in the context of cloud native and edge. So, so let me split that into two things, right? So the first one is the control plane and the management problem. Uh, the second challenge is the developer productivity, programmability and deployment. So the first one, uh, there is no industry standard for managing these edge devices at scale because if there are going to be billion IoT devices, there will be at least a few million edge devices because edge devices are basically aggregating those IoT devices. So we are going to see huge number of edge devices. So there is no industry standard. Uh, there is no uh, uh, kind of a consent or agreement among the vendors on how to manage these devices. But Kubernetes, uh, which is slowly transforming into a universal scheduler. I actually wrote about this a month ago on the news stack. You can actually read about it, I think on September 8th or 9th, uh, I wrote about this uh, as Kubernetes becoming a universal scheduler. So what is interesting is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the problem that Kubernetes solves is highly applicable to the problem that we are talking about in the context of edge. So both uh, the Cloud Native Computing Foundation along with Linux Foundation and vendors like Microsoft, Amazon and Google are seriously looking at Kubernetes as the standardized control plane for orchestrating edge devices. Uh, it, it actually makes a lot of sense because we are talking about web scale containers on one side and a massively scalable, uh, highly distributed edge devices on the other side and Kubernetes being at the center, managing both these uh, uh, universe, universes of containers and devices. So it makes a lot of sense. Wow. But, 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 but that's a huge leap, right? Kubernetes is not, I mean, we can talk about federated Kubernetes, but Kubernetes does not have the, currently have the constructs to deal with distributed storage, to de deal with uh, shortening network paths or even distributed network paths. I mean, I, I agree with you, Kubernetes is becoming this, you know, underlay pattern but the, the gap between you know, thousands of sites with portable workloads and where we are today feels very big to me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe are you seeing some feature or something that's coming that's shortening that? Absolutely, uh, I, okay. I totally agree with you and I'm not, I'm not trying to oversell the power of Kubernetes. Kubernetes is very synchronous. It is highly connected. It is meant to work in an environment where you assume there's a lot of control, for example, it can heal nodes only when the node is a part of the network and it reports its health every 30 seconds or so. But we're talking about an environment where an edge device is put on a ship and it goes transatlantic you know, in, in the ocean and it is like moving from one continent to another continent with no connectivity and Kubernetes may not be the um, best 
orchestration control plane uh, for managing that. But having said that, uh, both the industry consortium, uh, you know, which is just uh, managed by the CNCF folks, and also commercial vendors are very seriously looking at bringing these abilities to Kubernetes. So two things need to happen for Kubernetes to really manage edge deployments. Number one, it should be tolerant to offline and intermittent connectivity between nodes, which is which is inherently different, you know, the way Kubernetes is designed. So it, it's not going to be easy. So it has to tolerate offline uh, edge devices, number one. Number two, uh, it should also have a very, very powerful mechanism to deal with uh, the paradigm of you know, edge devices reporting as nodes or as pods. There is no consent, there is no agreement on, should you look at every edge device as a node and report them back to the master and the control plane or should you treat them like pods and aggregate them to a node and report the node to the master? I mean, these are very early discussions and uh, you know, I have been a part of some of these brainstorming discussions uh, and, and, and everyone is actually thinking through. If my understanding is right, in about six to 12 months, we'll actually see some constructs coming to Kubernetes to enable these use cases and scenarios. But I can confidently tell you, in a couple of years, Kubernetes will become that orchestrating engine or the master or the control plane for IoT and edge devices. That's where we are heading towards. It, it's, it's a hugely complex problem. I, I guess one of the things that, and, and I'm, I've been watching like the OpenStack people try and figure out edge. And one of the things that really troubles me watching the OpenStack edge stuff is that it's, it's not an architectural fit. Um, so if you just be very blunt, right? showing up and saying, I have an edge infrastructure problem. I have OpenStack. Let's, let's, you know, power, power, wonder twin powers uh, activate does not strike me as actually thinking through what these problem spaces are. I, I, you're clearly thinking about how these architectural problems are solved, but is there a concern that we're going to take this cool thing that works really well for, you know, container platforms and shove it into uh, you know, just just try and force fit it into this this very different, disconnected, low latency, um, you know, distributed management environment. Yeah. So, so there is one trend that is that is picking up and becoming more like uh, an agreeable deployment pattern, which is containers as the as the compute layer at edge. I think everyone is agreeing to that and there is a general consensus around containers becoming the unit of deployment on the edge. Uh, Microsoft is actually taking a lead in that. They are already demonstrating how they can use Kubernetes to manage these so-called modules packaged as Mobi containers running on edge devices. And Edgex Foundry, which is the Linux Foundation uh, subset for edge computing and CNCF are also figuring that out. So the number one trend is Compute on edge is slowly becoming available through containers, number one. Number two, there is a parallel between managing web scale container deployments and uh, massive edge devices. So a lot of lessons that we learned managing VMs and containers at scale can be borrowed um, when it comes to IoT and edge. So if 
uh, we draw a parallel. I think a lot of problems are solved in managing distributed scalable containers. And we can, we can actually bring some of that understanding and knowledge to managing edge. And, and the other common factor is definitely containers. So I, I'm seeing how Kubernetes is, is evolving to address that. Appreciate your enthusiasm on it. I guess when, you, when I hear you say that, I get concerned about security. I get concerned about multi-tenancy. Um, you know, we, there, there, there are some very fundamental problems, right, where we, we've talked um, on other podcasts about there is no safe zone. Um, this was our, our podcast with Mike Kale, how there's no safe area in edge where you, know, you can be attacked from the front or in the back, um, meaning from the device side or from the cloud side. Um, and then fundamentally, right, Kubernetes right now, uh, Johnny, I, I want to I try and create balance here because I, I think you were spot on in what you're saying, your analysis. And at the same time, I think that we also have you know, these huge challenges in edge that are, are, are different. Um, you know, in, in an edge infrastructure, you, you are going to have multi-tenant container infrastructures. I buy into that. We're not really doing much multi-tenancy in uh, Kubernetes right now. People set up their own kube clusters and they don't, they don't commingle untrusted data. They don't delegate management to other people too much, right? Even, uh, Google's and Microsoft's Kubernetes clusters and, and Amazon's, they give you your own control plane. You're not sharing a control plane with anybody unless I'm mistaken in, in what, where we've been evolving to. How does that get resolved? Right, right. So, so edge devices are also, you know, they, they're not going to be managed through a multi-tenant control plane. Of course, it makes a lot of sense, uh, but for a customer, um, who is, who is looking at edge as a logical extension of his compute and his infrastructure, uh, seeing it through Kubernetes makes a lot of sense. But again, I'm not trying to uh, fast forward or, or jump the gun and, and claim that Kubernetes is the best control plane. I'm, I'm no, not I, trying to. And I don't, and I don't think you are. I think, I think <laughs> you're, you're, uh, making, you're making some good generalizations and I'm pushing back because I'm, I'm trying to identify the gaps where we need to go. Um, and I think you and I have a lot more agreement on this than it might sound just because I'm, I'm trying to create some space for people to think through future. Absolutely. And I'm trying to have uh, you, and I'm trying to, I, and I want you to help fill in those gaps for people so that they understand where things are going. Cause you've been doing so much research and thought about this. Right. So I, I want to, I want to summarize this with just one use case, you know, which I've been tinkering with. And I also demonstrated this at uh, Microsoft edge in Orlando a couple of weeks ago. So, what Microsoft has done is they, they built a bridge between their IoT control plane called the Azure IoT Hub and the Kubernetes control plane. And, and that bridge is actually called as Virtual Kubelet. Uh, Brandon, uh, who has been one of the co-founders of uh, Kubernetes, has Brandon been- Burns. Yeah, Brandon Burns. So he has been the guy behind the Virtual Kubelet project. So what Virtual Kubelet does is it, it, it basically bridges two different ends of the spectrum. One end of the spectrum is Kubernetes control plane. The other end could be anything which is an existing orchestration engine. Now think of it like an AWS Fargate or even OpenStack Nova or um, IoT Hub uh, or serverless containers, uh, you know, like of, of course Fargate or Azure container instances. So once you have this bridge in place, the, the advantage you have is you can basically manage 
the other control plane from the familiarity of cube cutl so i could actually use cube cutl to perform a rolling upgrade of a of a uh, edge deployment running in a smart building right for example in a 24 building i want to run my latest firmware in 10 floors and see how it goes and then i will increase it to another two floors and i'll i'll do a rolling upgrade right i mean that capability that power is not inherently built into an iot control plane but when you interface that with kubernetes you get this a uh, uh, whole familiar terminology and the uh, familiarity of using task like operations and and the beauty is iot devices and edge control plane plane has no clue of how to do a canary deployment or a, or a blue green deployment but once you interface that with kubernetes you suddenly have this ability because you could do a roll back you could do a roll forward and every time you do that kubernetes translates to a bunch of instructions that the other control plane can deal with so that's the reason why i'm i'm actually a bit convinced that kubernetes is transforming to become a universal control plane uh, and ideally suited for these massively distributed scalable edge deployments johnny so i have one question before we wrap up and i want to go a little bit higher i've been um talking to some people and it came up in a recent podcast we did someone asked a question that I thought was interesting and I'd like to get your viewpoint and he said imagine i am a a developer a group of developers i don't know the middle east where wherever it is uh we don't have a lot of money but let's say i invented a virtual reality uh solution that would be amazing for people to, to use at the edge right customers walking down the street something like that and so the question is 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 what do i do how do i actually get not how to do it technology wise but from a business perspective how do i how do i get my stuff on the edge globally uh let's say i have a customer in um buenos aires or we'll, we'll do something like that H- how do i deliver there and then what happens the next day when all of a sudden a customer reaches me from uh, i don't know new zealand what do i do is that whole business part of this any thoughts on that any um if you listen to people talking about this i'm looking for more uh feedback so i can spend more time understanding it excellent uh this is a perfect segue into the third model that i have been uh talking about so so just to do a quick recap we touched upon the content edge which is a cdn then we talked about the device edge which is green glass and azure iot edge the third one which we haven't seen which is in the making is basically the cloud infrastructure edge and the use case that you brought up you know where uh, vr and ar workloads will run uh, very close to the end user is going to be delivered through infrastructure edge and this has nothing to do with iot uh, so we don't have a lot of time but i want to quickly bring up uh, a company that is actually trying to get uh, a cloud roaming kind of a use case powered by infrastructure edge and the company that i am talking about is vapor.io which is uh, an sure. austrian texas based company and and, and we know, and we i just break in real quick so we know vapor we've done podcasts with uh, vapors and we'll make sure we'll add those links to our listeners in case you missed it but but go on yeah this is great fantastic so so vapor is currently partnering with the telcos uh, and also the telco real estate providers who basically own the cell phone towers 
they have a very strategic partnership with Crown Castle in uh, North America. And what they're actually trying to do is to deploy uh, a hyper-converged appliance, which is like a micro data center at the, at the cellar, at the bottom of every cell phone tower. And, and that is going to be exposing a micro cloud, which will be eventually connected to the public cloud. So uh, if, if what Vapor is trying to do becomes mainstream and if they become hugely successful, my understanding is uh, today developers deal with a region then there is, there is a availability zone in the in the context of AWS or for that matter, any other public cloud like GCP or uh, Azure. So apart from the region and zone, you also get a micro zone. And this micro zone is very specific to a city or a collection of cities. So if you are an AR or a VR developer, or for, the, for that matter, a connected car uh, developer, a connected automobile developer, you can actually write your code. And when you are deploying, you'll say, deploy it in the East Coast, and particularly covering the belt from New York to Virginia, because you know tomorrow there is a marathon happening, and I'm, I'm pushing my code, which is going to help all the runners get the latest analytics. So run my code in the East Coast where this marathon is happening. And all I got to do is basically choose where my uh, micro zone is going to be, and very, very forward looking, but a part of my code is going to be packaged and deployed in these micro data centers running on every cell phone tower. So as runners uh, pass through one cell phone tower to the other, they actually do a handshake. I mean, their devices will do a handshake with these cell towers, micro data centers, and their data gets pushed. Uh, maybe a machine learning model will run on it. It will come back with some analytics and they do a, a cloud roaming as they run. And same thing is applicable for a connected car that is driving from point A to point B. And in that process, it's going to touch multiple endpoints uh, as it drives. So, so that is the futuristic cloud infrastructure edge, uh, which is pioneered by folks like Vapor.io. Okay, well, Johnny, I, Johnny, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get it right. Well, I wanna uh, thank you for joining us today. Is there um, any uh, folks are interested in checking up with you, uh, your website, Twitter? How should uh, people follow up to learn more about yourself and what events you're speaking? You seem to speak a lot in the United States, so I assume you have tons of air miles from India. Absolutely. I, I, I get upgraded uh, in Emirates every time I fly. I'm, a, I'm at the verge of becoming a platinum member with Emirates. <laughs> oh my! So I want you to know that Rob and I don't charge for podcasts, but certainly we'll take donations of air miles. Rob, are you open to that? <laughs> I would be delighted to take that, or or you can just give me your upgrades. Either one. <laughs> <laughs> so where should people go to uh, follow you? Uh, it's pretty simple, Janakiram dot com. Uh, that's my website. I'm very active on Twitter, Janakiram M. Uh, you can easily find me, uh, just Google my first name and you will land at all my blogs and my social media content and all of that. Um, yeah, it's been a, a very, very involving discussion, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Well, uh, you know, we really appreciate having you on. And one of the things uh, we always say to our listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. And, uh, you know, if there's people you think we should bring on to our listeners, let us know. Johnny, if you run across some companies or people um, that we're not familiar with, we would love uh, introductions. We're always looking to bring new guests. And I'm very excited. You know, we're having a, a podcast coming out of India. This is fantastic. We want to continue to push globally. So um, 
you know, if you're listening to us from a country outside the U.S. or Britain, because we seem to have done a lot there, you know, let us know, and uh, we're happy to expand. So thanks we're, again. And we, we're, and, we're also happy to do rant casts. If oh, something yes. you said made you mad and you want to, you, you're right. Rah, no. If you're screaming into, call us the, into your headset, call us up. We'll, 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 we'll rant with you uh, or against you, whichever way you want to go. We're happy. We're equal opportunity ranters. Well, thanks yeah. again, uh, Johnny and Robin, and we'll talk again soon.